You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. This holiday season, give the gift of Midco Sports Network, your home for wall-to-wall coverage of North Dakota athletics. We've got live hockey and basketball coming your way from now through March, plus North Dakota Hockey Central on Friday nights and a live, hour-long UND football signing day special coming your way on December the 19th. Tis the season for UND and Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome out there, a bright, sunny, crisp Monday morning here in Grand Forks. Taping this on a Monday, episode 19 of the Bill Chaves Podcast alongside producer, 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 <laughs> it's been a struggle this morning, producer David Folsky, athletic director Bill Chaves, I'm Alex Heiner, along with special guest, senior assistant athletics director, communications director, the farewell tour continues, Oh man, Jason Hashdu. <laughs> <laughs> part part two of we bid you hash do we <laughs> david folsky putting the putting the ribbon on these uh these titles for these podcasts um great to have you here jason thanks for taking some time yeah, thanks for letting me hang out bill and <laughs> bill and jason both fevers are looking on their phones to see who's signing who with mlb winter meetings beginning today just checking ch- checking out the latest hot stove stuff it's a good, good way to start on Monday we, morning we'll fly into that on the b-side that'll yeah sure i think so that will be a good b-side topic absolutely um how does this morning this monday morning treat you bill talk us through what, what's going on in your world right now as you step in so uh finals finals for yeah. all of our uh students on campus uh including our student athletes for sure right and so uh yeah i mean you know, I think uh, when you're watching our, our students play, sometimes you, you, you think to yourself, maybe you don't think, you know, they, they really do have finals yeah. and they have to study and get it done. And uh, and so this is a big week and uh, knock on wood, hopefully all goes well uh, in the classroom. But uh, hey, take a little bit of a, I guess, breather right now, right? I mean, so you've got hockey who, who has a little bit of a... a hiatus and, uh, and a lot of other sports are, are kind of looking at some other... Uh, you know, games as they're, uh, you know, looking at what's happening, sort of, quote unquote, their first half or maybe non-conference per se, yeah. mm-hmm. heading to conference. So, uh, I don't know, you kind of take stock. That's yeah. that's what you do. Yeah, we're kind of at that halfway point for, our, for at least for a couple of our sports. Certainly the winter sports scene is kind of getting into that area where they've had about a month or so, month and a half under their belt hockey now with two months in the books. There's a good chance to kind of zoom out and kind of look back over what's happening. Obviously, there's still events going on, but... Um, you know, talking with some of the guys and girls this past week from some of our sports teams. This week, of course, is finals week. Last week, though, that was kind of the busy week with papers and presentations and everything that builds up at the end of the semester. Um, it's just a busy time. And then when you're trying to stay focused on what's happening on the court and on the ice and you've got a 12-pager to do that you're going to have to stay up all night after the game is over to finish sometimes. there's I think people do forget sometimes there is a lot to being a student athlete, especially this time of year. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress that goes along with it. Well, you think about, you know, some of our travel, uh, you know, commitments to some of our teams. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't been around long enough yet to figure out the two, three, four-year cycle of our schedules. And, you know, women's basketball is just in one of those weird years yeah. where they're on the road. And, uh, and, and you know, part of that is kind of that's what you get in sort of the mid-major world. Sometimes you get those games back, you know, a, a year from now mm-hmm. or maybe you had it last year or maybe two years from now. So so it becomes really, really difficult. And so, uh, you know, knock on wood, hopefully, uh, you know, they, they were able to, you know, do what they need to do on the road. But it is tough. And then, uh, you know, I, you feel for him for sure. Yeah. Well, some of the big storylines, by the way, we should mention before we move on, Jason, obviously your wife is, was now is she's moved on to Kansas city, but was heavily involved of course, in that side of things of having to work through the academic rigor of keeping athletes kind of on track. I'm assuming those were things that she would talk to you a lot about, about the, the stress that those kids have to suffer through this time of year. Yeah. The, the travel's the big thing and it always blew our minds. <clears throat> uh, the amount of work the student athletes put in on the road mm. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but you, you put a book in front of me on a bus or an airplane and it might as well be catnip because I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm just out. Yeah. And to, to have to crack an anatomy book or, or what have you on a bus, in an airport, on an airplane, when you don't have a lot of downtime, yeah. because I, I don't think folks understand this on the road, you're going from A to B to C, you're going from dinner to practice to meetings. There isn't a lot of downtime and the commitment involved is just staggering. <laughs> uh, I was chatting with Matt Harinkiu the other night, the uh, volunteer coach for the hockey team, who was, uh, if he wasn't a 4.0 student, he was close, engineering major, said the guys would, he joked that the guys would uh, find him if they saw him with a book open on game day. 
that was the running joke in the team that Rinky's always studying on game days. Um, but yeah, just to be able to get dialed in on what your business is, but also take care of your other business. Yeah. Uh, we take that for granted. I think sometimes the fan part of us takes that for granted. Yeah, certainly a lot going on. It's uh, yeah. Go ahead, well, Bill. and you, you know, I think as a student athlete, you know, you choose it, right? I mean, at, the, at some point you come in here, but I think that's what makes you incredibly successful after you leave here yeah. because you can balance a lot of mm -hmm. things. I mean, like real important things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an attraction for a potential employer and or I could see the reasons why some of our student athletes own their own businesses because they can they can navigate a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. And obviously some, some kids are wired that way more than others. You can't fake your way to an engineering degree. No. <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> and this is a communication major speaking here, so I know what I of what I speak. But uh, yeah, the the focus and just the, the ability to compartmentalize that stuff is just it blows my mind. Yeah, certainly skills to transition to the to the next level, whatever professional level that might be for our young That's right. men and women here in, at the right. University of North Dakota in the athletics department, especially. Well, a, a busy week in UND athletics. Some good, some bad. Um, I, you know, when you look at hockey, certainly finishing off the first half with a split. I think if you would have said. Two weeks ago, entering a, a pair of series against Duluth and Denver, as shorthanded as this team was, that, you know, if you get a split on the road and a split at home to close out the first half against those teams, you probably would take that, although it stinks that you lose on a Saturday night in overtime when you fight so hard to get back. But your thoughts on the series this weekend, Bill? Yeah, you know, and I... I look forward to some of Jason's further thoughts, but you know, he, he mentioned to me after the, after the game that we just haven't had a lot of the same lineup sheets and, and that makes it, yeah. I think, well, two things in my, in my mind, I think it's going to help us depth wise moving forward. And that to, it, to me is maybe it won't bear fruit until maybe January or February. And so we're going to find out to mm -hmm. some level. And I think the exciting part is we walked out of the Ralph on Saturday disappointed and, and at this, some stage, you might have looked back two weeks ago, knowing kind of what our lineup sheet looked like and said, you know what, yeah, maybe you would take the splits. Maybe, you know what, weren't happy with the splits. Yeah. And so it, that, that to me, to some degree, is a good thing in a weird way. And, and again, sour taste in your mouth as you kind of go forward and you got to kind of, you know, wipe it clean at some stage and then turn the page in the calendar year and, and then get after Canisius. And I think, as Brad said, what, 16 games left, eight home, eight on the road. And, you know, it's just uh, now it's go time. Yeah, 17 games, 17 different lineups, not a lot of copy-pasting from the line chart for you <laughs> from one, one day to the next. No, and that's what struck me, like Bill said, on Saturday night, is after the game, the players and coaches, to a man, were, were legitimately upset that they left those points on the table. They don't care who's in the lineup, who's out of the lineup. They know, they in their minds, they have enough players to field a lineup for a game. It's the next man up thing. And as cliche as it is, that's that's how they roll. And and those are the games usually when everyone's counting them out. Those are the games they usually pull out, like mm -hmm. Saturday at Duluth, for yep. example. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, they were to a man. They were upset. They left points on the table. They know how hard it is to get points in the NCHC, even if they could have gotten it to the shootout and get that one point. Yeah. Um, that that bothered them a lot. But like Bill said, uh, there's a hidden benefit there. Some of these young players are getting prime time minutes in prime time roles uh, early in the season, and that will pay dividends in the second half. You're, Suddenly, a Jackson Keene will be able to move back from a second-line role, <clears throat> excuse me, to a fourth-line role, probably where he's more suited to play, and that's just going to have a, a massive trickle-down trickle, trickle down effect on the whole lineup. Yeah, when you think about the fact that Jackson Keene, Mark Sendon, Gavin Hain, like those are three of the best players yeah. on the ice this and they're weekend. In, they're playing penalty kills. Some of them are on the power play. <laughs> and Adam Shield. And Adam, certainly mm -hmm. Adam Shield. Right. And so, so all that, I mean, from your perspective, Jason, obviously you've seen it over the course of time. I mean, kind of put into, I guess, perspective as to where this fits, I guess, you know, previously and with previous teams as well as kind of those freshmen getting, uh, getting uh, you know, time. It's the thing about this program, if you've tracked it even before Brad Berry, the Dave Haxtell years, they were known for being the second half team. Um, I don't know what the magic dust is, but they have a knack for letting players just kind of figure things out in the first half. They don't panic. They don't freak out if there are mistakes made. They teach. They don't punish. And they just have a way of, of, of letting guys figure it out and establish their roles. And by the second half, they, they just turn into a machine, a well-oiled machine. And I have a feeling this team is going to resemble a lot of those teams. 
Yeah, right now nine, seven, and one, sixth in the NCHC standings. But obviously, it's very it's got to get healthy very early. Yeah, and that's you said you four guys out. You talk about next man up. You and he didn't have the option nope. for a next man up on <clears> Saturday <throat> night. Obviously, Matt Kirstead goes out with a unfortunate spearing incident after the game was over on Friday, and they didn't have any healthy bodies to replace him with in the lineup. Not that that was again not not that that's an excuse or anything like that. But it feels like the break right now for you and coming at a good time to get those guys healed up and get ready to go for the second half of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, as far as, I, you know, I think we're thinking through it. I, I don't think any season ender, so to speak, at this point in time. So really, it is just about, no, yeah, it's, yeah. right? It's just about one by one, it, can you get back into the lineup? And it was good to see Nick Jones back in the lineup mm-hmm. as well. He makes a difference. He's a huge different ma- difference maker. All three zones, every phase, special teams. Uh, and he's just kind of, when you're having one of those nights, maybe like uh, – like Friday or Saturday, where at times the pace of the game was a little uneven or just a weird pace where there wasn't a lot of energy in the building. Nick Jones is a guy that can create that energy, create that momentum, create a spark um, out of nowhere. And, uh, and and that's another, that's an X, he's an X factor. He's, he's one of the few guys probably in this lineup that can single-handedly create offense. And it seems like, from what I can tell, it seems like Jacob's starting to find his way a little bit too, huh? JBD? Yeah. Bernardo, yeah, he's, man, he's good. He's, he's a pretty good player. I mean, just, but he's, it just seems like even from from really game one to to watching mm-hmm. him just kind of navigate how he does what he does right now, you can can't you tell you he's getting it's it's slowed down in a hurry for him. Oh, it looks like that's and he's, fair. He's that's so, fair. I think he was like minus six his first three or four that's games. What I was gonna say yeah, and yeah. and not that he was playing poorly. He's just it's it's a hard transition for a defenseman, and he's man, the game just moves so slow for him and. He's so poised, and, and I think I think that he's gonna he's gonna try out for Team Canada at the World Juniors. And I think a player like player like that is tailor made for a short tournament where you can trust him to not make mistakes, to not panic. I think that works in his favor for that tournament. Yeah, you would assume that he would be there in in Vancouver in Victoria coming up for the World Junior Championships after Christmas. Obviously, that means he potentially would miss then the first series of the regular season, second half for UND out in Buffalo, because you'd hopefully be still be playing in, in a medal round, which, you know, Canada expected to be <laughs> standing there in the end like they normally are. Defending they are medalists. expected to be, yes, expected whether they be. like it or not some years. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, but again, that's also 12, they, they've taken 12 defensemen to try out for that camp. Jacob is one of, one of those 12. They're going to cut it down to seven or eight. So four of those guys, top, top guys are going to get cut. But, you know, he had a pretty nice goal on Saturday to kind of leave the he selection the committee. Yeah. He's an extremely skilled offensive guy. Was it 20, 21 goals, 20 assists, or 20, 21 assists, 20, 20 goals? 20 and 21, I think, yeah. Last year with the, to be the uh, Canadian Junior Hockey League defenseman of the year. I mean, just uh, – and a first-round draft pick. I mean, a guy that came in with a high, high reputation, and he's lived up to that, I think, over and the course of the first – a good dude. Oh, just man. a really good person. Yeah. A fun interview. Nice kid. Really, really nice kid. So I think he leaves – did he say today? today? Yeah. yeah. And then a couple day, two, three day tryout. Is that normally how it works? And that's another whole thing going back to the academics part. Now there's a kid that's got to yeah. shuffle his whole schedule for the week and worry about that on top of talk about different stresses in your life right now. Yeah, and that's and when you, it's your first year in college. Mm-hmm. Well, your first finals week. Well, we're going to be. <laughs> I'm trying out for my country to go play in a big tournament. So weirdly, I would I would suggest that in, and again, get, kind of getting back into the whole you know kind of mindset, the whole hockey mindset for me particularly is you know it kind of feels a little bit footballish in a sense because you can kind of load up Friday and Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not so spread out, so that gives you a little bit of a hope. Yep. You know, as you're kind of going through it, uh, and then certainly having home uh, games to to close it out probably helped him uh, as well. But you're right; you got to be on it. I mean, you got to be ahead and on it. As I have a freshman that's rolling around here as well, you know, and you kind of <laughs> know how life goes a little bit. Yeah. Some are more on it than others, and so. Uh, but he 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 strikes me as a guy that's on it. Yeah. Uh, so a 4-1 win on Friday for hockey, 2-1 overtime loss on Saturday. The break now is hit three weeks off. off. I mean, you your quotes. They'll still be practicing and doing different things. They'll get some time off to be with their families over the Christmas period. And then an exhibition game coming up on December the 29th against the U18s. A chance to see a couple of future UND players on the opposite side uh, with Cameron Rowe and Judd Caulfield coming to town. That's always kind of fun. We talked with Bradbury this morning about that. Neat for the fans to get a chance to sort of see the next wave of talent coming up to Grand Forks. Are we allowed to talk about that? We well, we, we can because they've, they've officially signed. I believe. Gotcha. I feel like we yeah. can. Gotcha. If we can't, David can just well, cut all this in post. But that's exactly our right. Pr- our producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our our producer extraordinaire. Um, I believe so, and okay. so we can we can check on that for sure. But I mean, I think that's accurate. That is always a nice built-in attraction to that 
under 18 we usually have at least one player in the pipeline on that squad so that's a nice built-in attraction too yeah so that'd be fun how many games do they play throughout the year they play a ushl schedule so it's, I don't I don't know the exact number. It's it's like it's some it's fifty something though. Is I that think. right? I mean it's because they they mix in these exhibition games with college teams. Yeah. Yep, they're playing in various tournaments across the world, and they're playing USHL teams. On Is that right? So that's so kind of how they mix and match their their schedule. Gotcha. Yeah, they, it's it's you know you simulate it out as if it's like a real professional type of a they're schedule. They're pretty darn battle tested. Yeah, they'll, yeah. are they really? Oh, when yeah. you see yeah. so like for example a kid like Gavin Hayne that's a freshman this year played for the U18s last year. And he's sort of used to the grind of having multiple games a week. It's not necessarily always a Friday Saturday thing, but you're you're playing a lot, and you're playing the, you know from the start of October all the way through, you know past past when UND is done, they'll play out through April. I mean, it's 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 a long season, and those guys have the attention to detail that you would get here at a program like UND with that program in Michigan. That you know, Gavin came in ready to play D1 hockey yep. physically, like was just physically yep. built and ready to go because he had been through the weight training that some of these guys, if you're just playing either in the USHL or you're playing someplace else, you know, BCHL, CGHL, well, where, wherever you are, you're just more prepared, yep. I think, right off the bat. Gavin Haynes' hair, also college ready. <laughs> Gavin, so fun story. So Gavin, of course, everybody's got a nickname on the hockey team. Jason, what is Gavin's nickname? He is Dale. Yep. And why is he called Dale, Jason? I don't know for sure. Oh, I have a suspicion it's, a, it's related it's a step to brothers. Step brothers. Yeah, it's a yes. stepbrothers thing. Yeah, it's great. So John C. <laughs> Riley's character, it's great. Dale in Step Brothers, has uh, similar hair as Gavin Haynes. It's does. refreshing, too. It's a nice refreshing nickname that isn't just Hainer, Keener, you know, <laughs> right. like Sheeler, everybody creativity. else. Just put, yeah. put an ER I'm, all for, I'm all for it. <laughs> I remember when Derek Forbert came here as a freshman, I said, what do we call you? He said, Forbes or Bert. All right. then. Yeah. <laughs> you can take your pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a lot of fun. He's a great kid too. A kid from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. So nice to see him. A pretty first goal. We've had a bunch yeah. of pretty first career goals this yeah. season. Jackson, Jackson Keens was fantastic. Haynes was great. Sandin had a pretty one against Miami. Like it's it's fun to see these guys get their first one that are that are not just memorable because it's your first collegiate goal, but because it's a highlight reel type of play. In big situations against big time opponents too. These aren't these aren't the proverbial cupcakes they're doing this against. Yeah, had a tough tough schedule and some really pretty good wins, huh? I mean, it's a, the variance has been interesting as far as there's not been a team that we haven't been able to go how should I say go play against I mean not not that you would ever think that we wouldn't but given the lineup changes and yep. some other things that have occurred you know the, the, those can be you know difficult games based on what you're maybe bringing into that particular game but I've been incredibly uh, impressed with with these uh, especially the freshmen stepping up so it'll be exciting as we as we turn the page Adam Shields won eight games and seven have come against ranked opponents correct yeah. that's amazing yeah, yeah. Plus, he's beaten. It's been Minnesota, Minnesota State. You know, the sweep of Wisconsin, Denver, Duluth. I mean, he's. You know, <laughs> it's not like we're talking. Now we beat the number nineteen team in the country. Yeah, just and doing it in all environments in. too yep, as a exactly. freshman. The Las Vegas environment, yep. Duluth. That's yep. that's that's impressive. Yeah, good signs for the future. Not just for even sure. for you know for the future future, but for 2019 what's coming down the pike in the second half so hockey getting set to go on a bit of a break not so much for men's and women's hoops very much in the middle of their non-conference season uh, only a couple games left in the non-conference both of those two really busy week for the women three games this past week unfortunately didn't get the victory in any uh, we do want to mention they played really well at UNI on yeah. Tuesday and that's a very good Panther team came within a, just a couple plays late and lost 64 to 60 uh, the, obviously the other two games over the course of the week just were, were a bit of a struggle against Wisconsin Milwaukee and then a, a tough one against a very good Iowa State team but some good signs there at least at the start of the week for Travis Brewster's team moving forward yeah the uh, two non non D1 games this week Wednesday and Friday uh, both uh, against Mayville State uh, ladies on Wednesday uh, men on Friday both seven o'clock at the Betty so love to have you out here if uh, if your schedule allows you know I, I'd say this about the travel piece of this puzzle that the probably the thing that's probably been most difficult is just the the time that you don't have to actually practice that's it i mean i you know all of everything else the games aside you're not in your own facility to really work on some things and so i think as as the the year kind of goes on and it kind of evens out from a, a home and, and road scenario you know knock on wood hopefully the, uh, the team will turn the corner a little bit because lexi needs some help i mean lexi yeah. needs some help right now i mean got to get got to get um some folks off the schneid so to speak and get them get them going yeah. and uh when that happens 
it'll loosen it up for Lex that much more, and then uh, and she'll be this just that much more dangerous yeah. if that's even possible. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's shooting has kind of been the issue for them, and finding secondary scoring those two things have just been hard to come by. Typically, turnovers have kind of been the problem for UND women's hoops in the in the last recent years when they've struggled. They've done a nice job of taking care of the basketball actually in these last couple losses, but just not being able to see the ball go through the hoop and, and that's such a confidence thing and, and, when you totally. need to, and when you need to open up space for a superior post player having people hit shots around the perimeter are a, are mandatory and they've just not been able to do that lately yeah and you know it, it, and again it, it, it's it's awesome that you know you can you can uh, get it done off the driving range but the reality of it is you need it in the tournament right yeah. and so you know so so you can go into the betty and, and hit nine out of ten but you got to do it when the lights are on so uh so knock on wood hopefully uh the team will get it going yeah chance to get a little confidence this week against a, a lower level opposition in mayville state on wednesday night the men again same sort of thing as you mentioned friday against mayville uh, here at home this week uh Kind of the opposite for them, a very difficult start to the week with kind of an ugly defeat down in Texas. Uh, just a lot of, even though, even though the fact they had 23 turnovers in the first half, they still managed to be in the game and have a chance to win the game in the end against University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. But then they come back with a nice win yesterday, well on Sunday, I guess you're listening to this on a Tuesday, but Sunday here at home against Milwaukee to complete the season sweep over the Panthers. Yeah, certainly never good when uh, you have more turnovers than shot attempts yeah. during a half. I mean, and so that's probably, uh, you know, just one of those games that, you know, you, you can try to replicate some things in practice, but until you actually you know, see it and, and you kind of feel it, you know, sometimes you have those games and sometimes you're going to have those in a 30-game in a uh, regular season or 31, wherever we are right now in life, <laughs> based on MTEs, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, yeah, kind of bounced back, which was nice uh, yesterday, and uh, that was that was good. And uh, and now kind of head toward uh, um, trying to figure out the Mayville piece. And, again, it feels like Brian's still trying to figure out the rotation a little bit as well. I mean, we've got so many new faces, and I think we just try to figure that out, probably lessen the, the rotation at some stage of the game as we head to the summit yeah and that's what i thought he did well on sunday against milwaukee where you sort of saw here are my five starters we put in two guys off the bench on moody had a great game off the bench so yep. did keenan walters it felt like and a couple other guys played but those those seven were on the court for the majority of the time and let's see like as you said when you've got so many new guys and nobody really knows their role yet sometimes just having a defined role you can mentally prepare for that and kind of understand okay this is what i need to do when i'm on the floor Here's going to be the guys I'll be with on the floor with me. And that seemed to pay dividends, again, in, in, a, in, a, in a big win that kind of snapped a bit of a skid for that group. Yeah, your thoughts, Jace? When they've been at their best this year, they've gotten contributions from a lot of different people. And you yeah. mentioned that the women are trying to find that as well. But with the men's team, we've seen that. And it's a different equation than we're used to in the last few years. We don't have yeah. a Quentin Hooker. We yeah. don't have a Geno Crandall. And there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat. You can win both ways. Um, but the promising thing is there have been a handful of games where the men have really gotten that nice balanced contribution, um, the Milwaukee game being the most recent example. Yeah, you see, I mean, Connor Avance goes for a double-double, and uh, Mooney pitched in 18 for off the bench. I think Keenan Walters had 14. The, the Cortez Seals had 19, which after mm -hmm. going uh, the day before, he didn't have any. He didn't, didn't score <laughs> or whatever against Idaho the week before. So it's it, good signs that they've been able to work that around. We talk about the hockey team having guys fill in roles and, and, and be – you know, maybe having to play more minutes than you think you normally would in, in, a, in a, a more advanced position. Same thing with hoops. These guys are getting great reps at, at a time of the year when you can sort of afford to take a couple lumps in non-conference. It's not going to hurt you nearly as much. No doubt. Yeah. So chance again, Friday and Wednesday for you guys to come out and enjoy UND men's and women's hoops against Mayville State. Uh, one other note from this past week that was that was noteworthy, academic honors for Olivia Swenson, the goalkeeper for women's soccer, a tremendous season for her, uh, third team Google Cloud academic All-American, I think the first Summit League member to get that honor in the last couple of years, only the 10th total in league history, 4.0 GPA, accounting student, led the league in goals against, save percentage, seven shutouts this past season. A great career for her as she graduates uh, coming up in the spring, but a cool honor for her. And, and again, for that team, second week in a row, they've had something to shout about from yeah, one of Yeah, which was awesome. I, you know, what's fair to say, and I'll, I want to get Jason's opinion on this because he's been on the forefront with it, is, uh, you know, when you have team success, 
you have a better shot to kind of get these individual awards. No matter how good you know, you know, you are doing in school, the reality of it is, especially in a team sport, you do some things like that, you maybe have a better shot at that. And you've been on, you, you've seen all of these types of awards that are out there and it seems like there's more and more to some degree, which is awesome. I mean, honoring student athletes, yeah. which is great, but is that fair to say? Yeah, and we vote on those. The SIDs vote on the Academic All-America Awards. And when you look at the ballot, the, there are so many good nominees throughout yeah. the country. We're talking the entirety of Division One soccer. And when you're on a good team, you have team success. That means your individual stats are better, too. You're looking as a voter for any little tiebreaker to try and break some of these ties. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to what Bill's saying. And, and talk about uh, resiliency for a student-athlete. Olivia was a, the starter as a freshman and was outstanding. Loses the starting position to Catherine Klein, who was just all-world. Yeah. Catherine, unfortunately, suffered, suffers an injury prior to the season. Olivia gets the job back and is completely ready. Takes it, runs with it. Yeah. Classroom. Uh, on the field, just just an outstanding season. That's hats off to her. You know, and again, I you know, you go back into sports. Uh, you know, various various uh, particular sports. Only one plays the position. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, at the end of it all, to have the mindset to make sure you're ready to go and better than ever. Better yeah. than ever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's impressive. I mean, I, that more so says so much about the character of the kid that that at the at the end of it all, you know, who wouldn't want to hire that type of particular yeah. person or or better yet she'll be doing the hiring that's, that's, right. that's, that's pretty yeah. much how it's going to go yeah exactly i mean it's the jalen hurts thing like all over i mean that's you know you, you have some adversity it'd be easy to transfer someone mm -hmm. else who's younger than you are has kind of taken the starting spot but you stick it out and then you get an opportunity and you make the most of it because you never know exactly you never know so cool thing for her well done olivia that's right yeah Anything else from a UND perspective, Bill, you want to touch on? Football signing day. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. We talked about that. You, yes. you did You did at the open. Let's expand, though. Let's talk but, more but about you, this. We'll talk about it because you're yeah. going you're, you're gonna to be a part that's of that. That's your baby. That's your baby. Yeah, this so, is, so, yeah. so talk about it. Yeah. Why don't you talk about sure. it, Alex? Sure. So we have an hour live show. This is the third year that we've done this uh, in coordination with Bubba Schweigert and the UND football team. So on Wednesday... December 19th, uh, last year, uh, two years ago, we did a thing in February because that was when signing day was. Now there's a early signing period. So last year was the first year that we did the show in December, but um, a chance to get the coaching staff over to our Midco SN office and from 10 to 11 o'clock in the morning, and this will re-air, of course, over the course of that evening as well on Midco SN. We're just going to be talking about the guys that this UND football team is bringing in. Um, so I think so far right now, I think 17 verbal commitments for the class of 2019. The coaching staff has been out on the trail trying to bring in a few more and solidify some of those verbals to make sure they do sign on the dotted line coming up on the 19th. But we'll, we'll have a chance to chat with with Bubba and with, with new offensive coordinator Danny Freund and Eric Schmidt, the D coordinator, of course. And we'll chat a little bit with Tom Miller, too, of the Grand Forks Herald, along with some other experts from the states where these kids are coming from, which is kind of fun. So I know people want to hear about, you know, oh, we can show you or tell you what we've read, but it's great to hear from the mouths mm -hmm. of the guys that have seen these kids in high school. So that that's all coming up again, 10 a.m., December the 19th, UND football signing day special, year three from our Midco SN studios. Kind of interesting, year two of the uh, the signing day in December. Yes. And I just didn't know how it was going to trickle to the FCS world. And uh, it's almost region by region. Yes. I'll be honest with you. I, it seems like this Midwest region, um, a lot of those uh, a lot of those kids want to sign now. Mm -hmm. So you need to. <laughs> I mean, it's about as simple as it gets, whereas out west seems like it's a little lesser, so to speak. Yeah. And eventually you're going to get your class, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, just just fascinating, actually. Yeah, I noticed last year, I think UND signed basically the majority of their class. I mean, no 20, 22, yep. 23 kids. And they only had a hand, you know, two or three that came along in February, where most of the big sky, nothing, like nobody signs in December. I think I just, Eastern had about eight or nine. Oh, sure. There la, you go. La, I think I think so, but um, but just interesting. It just like I said I, I just think it's part of the uh, region. Yeah, like Weber State, for example, I don't think had a single recruit. Like Montana, the, the Montana schools only had a couple. UC Davis didn't have any. Like a lot of these schools, I think. Why do you think that is? By the way, any any, I just it's just the the, the competitiveness from the top down out there more student athletes to pick from, more JUCO kids that kind of go into those programs. There are a lot of different, I'm guess I'm throwing, just throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a, I think there's a thought that maybe uh, here's what, here's probably out West. I would say that I think the PAC 12s will have pretty much of their classes filled. Mm -hmm. I think there's a debate on whether a student athlete's going to be a mountain West type student athlete or sure. potentially a big sky one. And I think they want more time to, to kind of evaluate that mm -hmm. to some level where there just may be more 
more competition, so to speak, in this region. And so you just got to, um, this is what, this is kind of the rules of engagement here. Yeah, that's a really good point because in that region, if you look at the West region, like you said, you've got cl clearly Pac-12 is your top top tier. You know, maybe a little Big 12, Big 10 kind of get into that footprint a little bit, of course. But, you know, there's, there's kind of a mm -hmm. clear FBS mm -hmm. powerhouse there. But then you've also got the next five, you know, when you've got Mountain West, you've got some other, you know, that's a handful of, you know, 10, 12 programs then that are a step down from that, but are a step up from FCS. Mm -hmm. And in the Midwest, we don't have that. There's not that like second level. FCS is the second level behind the Big 10, Big 12 type yep. teams. Yep. So that would make more sense. You have, a, 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 you know, an extra set of programs vying for the same kids and trying to figure out if they fit here or if maybe they're not quite good enough. Correct. So, yeah. so who knows? So, uh, yeah, theory. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, I think it's worked out good. I, I, I it's good for the, uh, for the, for the students that are signing, at least yeah. they can kind of check it off and, and sort of be done and not have to, you know, go through the next month and a half, six yeah. weeks, you know, having to grind through the recruiting process. Yeah, and I think good for the coaches as well. I'm assuming you both would agree with that. You have a chance just, even though it's kind of a crazy thing at the end of your season to have to go through, but you don't have to continue to recruit these kids for another two months in the fear that someone else is, is going to swoop in with, with a quote-unquote better offer. It's a massive box they can uncheck yeah. and turn their attention to other things. I, I personally get a kick out of watching the coaches on signing day because that's yeah. that's their Christmas. That's their that's their big day. They've got an extra bounce in their step. There's donuts. Everyone's smiling. And there are donuts. donuts yes, and, there are. Uh, it's just fun. It's, it's fun to see them in action like that. Kaldo Porowski brings over a cookie cake every year. It's just, yes. They're just good things. Good things are happening on that day. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to that. That will be a lot of fun. Again, we hope you tune in out there in podcast land to, to watch on MidcoSN on Wednesday, December the 19th. Cool. Well, good reminder. Well, yep. with, with that said, let's flip over to a very Jason Hajdu heavy B-side today. Um, this is, we, we joked a little bit, you know, you, you obviously made this announcement probably about five, six weeks ago or so that uh, some of the news yeah, about your October, family. Yeah. yeah. So, so this has kind of been, you know, a, a time that we've been bracing for. Uh, you know, people have kind of talked about how, you know, you've been here for a long time. It's been a big part of certainly the hockey program, but the athletics department in general for two decades. Um, for you, does this feel like a, a big poppy or is this more of a Derek Jeter? <laughs> I'm going to keep throwing out ALE teams that you hate. Is it, does it feel like that type of a farewell tour? People are giving you stuff. And <laughs> like people throw around the word, the word overwhelming a lot. And mm -hmm. I don't think I ever have. This has been literally overwhelming. Like I'm just, I'm blown away by everyone's kindness. You never really know how you're viewed or how your work is viewed when you're in it. Cause you're not thinking about that, yeah. but to see some of the nice things people have, said and done and, and i joked to bill a couple weeks ago i've been to my own funeral three times here in the last month i think uh, it gets a little awkward at times because yeah. it's just not we're all about putting the athletes out there and getting them the platitudes and the accolades and to have your own turn so to speak in the spotlight it's a little uncomfortable at times man it's been it's just it just validates what i've felt about this place mm. um this community this profession um we're Amanda and I both leave with full hearts. Like I, I said to Tim Hennessy last week in Duluth, like I'm 41 years old and I'm I'm leaving with a lifetime of memories. I could be 71 and content mm -hmm. with the memories I'm taking out of here. It's just it's mind-boggling. It's it's so cool. Talk about the memory. Give us top one, two, three. Oh, I know man. it's hard to say one, right? I mean, it's no different than right. I mean, I've got three kids. Of course, all of them are tied for first, and <laughs> mm -hmm. getting married, right? Mm -hmm. So I have four events that are tied for first. Mm -hmm. But uh, give us a couple of memories that stick out. The national championships are the obvious ones, and I think there seven. I think since I got here as a freshman, across all sports. Tampa, for a lot of reasons, just because the weight was finally over. The weight and the weight. The weight was lifted. Yeah, that's off also, the shoulders. Yeah. Um, 2000 in Providence was special. That was I got to work that as a senior and uh, a lot of friends on that team. And to this day, a lot of friends on that team. So to also see them this fall go in the Hall of Fame mm -hmm. was Neat. personally special. Yeah, uh, it also meant we're getting old. <laughs> uh, they still tried hard. Boy, bless them. They tried hard that weekend. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's just, it's the road trips and the, it's not even like everyone associates me with hockey in particular. My memories go so far beyond hockey. Um, seeing how far volleyball has come. Mm -hmm. When I got here as a freshman, volleyball was one of my sports and we played in the upstairs gym. Mm -hmm. We sat up in those stands with clipboards to do stats and there were maybe 50 people at the games. And wow. now we're at the Betty, and if we're playing NDSU, we're the place is packed yeah. and it's, there's video boards and production. It's just insane. It, it I can't even comprehend how far it's come uh, in 
20 years, which is not a long time, really. Um, it's just cool, the facilities, to see how far everything... I, I, I don't even know where to start when you ask yeah. a question like that. But those are, those are some of the things that jump out. And then there's the personal things. Like, um, I remember a few years back, a, a hockey player had graduated a few months earlier, randomly called me one day in my office and asked if I'd be a reference for his graduate school application. Those are the really cool things because those are, those are the moments that remind you that you're here to, to help and touch people's lives and get them through this stage of their yeah. life. Uh, that's the cool stuff. What about professionally? What's the, uh, the evolution? Not that you're, you're going to stop working or, or go to your next chapter. I am tempted. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, he's retiring. <laughs> um, talk about kind of when you started and, and, and where we are today as far as kind of the, the world you live in. One of my jobs as a freshman was to carry the typewriter to the press box. <laughs> True story. With so, the fax machine? Uh, yeah, and the, and the photocopier had to carry that sucker too. Uh, not fun. And stat crew was on the typewriter. So I would type the action at a basketball game onto a typewriter. And if you made a mistake, you grab the whiteout. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, That's, um, we don't still do it like that? <laughs> Sometimes I wish we would. It was easier. It's simpler, yeah. It was simpler, easier. Simpler time. Or standing yeah. over the fax machine and cranking out 40 pages of swimming results to 20 oh, different man. schools and media outlets, and you had to wait for every single one to go through, and that was your two, three hours, and you didn't have a cell phone to stare at while you waited. It was. Uh, it taught you patience. It taught you a lot of patience, and um, the job has changed a lot. It's technically there's no real part in our job description. And Bill, you were an SID. There's no. There's no fan engagement part in your job description that says you have to be on Twitter and you have to communicate and respond. It's just kind of evolved that way. Um, and that's become a, a major part of the job to try to provide a voice to athletics and some transparency too. I think we've tried to do that uh, in the last 10 years or so, whether that's interacting uh, on Twitter, live chats, um, just to let people in a little bit and explain why we do what we do or why they're seeing what they're seeing. Um, that's that's been a big change in the profession for sure we've gone from uh the tr the proverbial stat monkey to more communications specialists yeah. professionals yeah yeah no doubt no doubt the uh yeah i mean sit we we uh i did uh basketball stats final game stats by hand mm -hmm. you know i mean that was i i, I could I, I, I could crank out a pretty good box score i'll be honest with you and balanced it oh yeah it was it was <laughs> it was not the worst but uh but at the end of the day it's amazing technology how things have just evolved huh and it's hard to it's sometimes hard to pinpoint what will have staying power i know because you want to be good at everything the website has the website and social media so like i remember a few years ago vine was the big thing we got to be on vine and vine didn't last and you don't know if instagram's going to be the one that lasts we do now but at the time you didn't you, you didn't know, know if twitter would be the one and you got to get your you dip your toe in all of those waters because you never know and kind of go with the breeze as far as what fans and student athletes are using totally um, that's it's that's been our game totally how did you so over the course of these last couple of years when now all those different things have kind of blown up <laughs> what were you using to sort of figure out how what platforms do we want to be people a part younger of? than me i was gonna <laughs> yeah uh matt shill was a big help in that <laughs> yeah. regard um because he always had an eye on trends and uh, he liked to track numbers of, of those things david folsky now is a big help um, some of our intern folks too. Well, we rely on that a lot. And and you travel with the athletes. You know sure. what they're using. You sure. you overhear their conversations <laughs> for better or for worse. Uh, so you get a sense of what really clicks with them and what doesn't. And that's what you gravitate toward. Well, and what's tricky. And so we've had some conversations, and we'll continue to have conversations about. Okay, where do we go from here? What are we doing? Yeah. What should we be doing? What's our bandwidth to do this? Stuff and, what's, and we've got three different audiences, right? You've that's, got, that's, that's, you've got that's your fans, yep. media, and your recruits, your student yeah. athletes. And that's the kicker. And that's they're all using different things. Totally, that's where I was going to go. It, it's no different than um, entertaining folks inside of an arena, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I could talk to everyone, they could be sad about what's being do done or they can be really happy yeah. and so everything in between and so then how do you communicate to folks well you try to in a sense like you said dip your toe in each water but i'm not sure you're ever doing it incredibly well just given the fact that it takes an incredible amount of human resource and you've just got to keep evolving i guess i yeah. guess that's where we're at right 
yeah, it's 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 hard to keep up. It's it's <laughs> it's the biggest challenge I think, other than obviously the the traditional um, the time the time constraints that come yeah. with the profession. I think keeping up with technology and social media trends is by far the biggest challenge. Well, and 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 I guess the immediacy on everything too. Yes. Like like before, there used to be you know a pause to some degree on some things, and now it's. If you're not immediate on everything, then you're you're just not doing your job. Yep. You don't respond back and and within a, a time frame. And you know sometimes you do need to hit a pause button and think through some things yeah. before you just hit a knee jerk reaction back to something. Well, how many of us have gotten an email in the office and five minutes later that same person's in our doorway saying, "Hey, did you get my email?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let me give me time me to process. open it and respond. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, it's true. It is a bit of a hot take era right now. And that's sort of what, and then not even just from that standpoint, but when, so for example, Jacob Bernard Docker scores with 220, 235 left in the game or whatever. Great goal. You know, people want to see that right away. And it's great that David, you know, is up there being able to clip off those clips and you can get them online and people can see that there is that immediacy, but they're almost, I feel like that's, that's the challenge. There's that challenge there of trying to keep up with that demand to have, our teams here in this place, wherever they are, if they're on the road, if whatever, for our fans to be able to see those types of things right away on a platform they can view and are familiar with and try to keep up with. And then, yeah, when, then what's what's coming next? There's a lot of there's a lot to that right so now. So I'll get you behind the curtain a little bit here since we're on the B side, is that the next time one of our programs comes in and gives back dollars that they have to spend will be the first. <laughs> And the next time someone comes rolling in and says, hey, we're doing something way better than somebody, let's retract back. It's always going to be the other side. Here's what someone else is doing, sure. and we yeah. need to keep chasing, which we need to do, and we get that. Mm-hmm. But again, there becomes a bandwidth issue at some point in time, and you can only do what you can do. And to some level, you need some quality assurance that you're, do- you're doing what you're doing well right. as well. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm with I you. mean, your industry, and again, has evolved as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's vastly different. I mean, just even in the, yeah, same thing in the last decade. You know, what what was sort of normal and kind of considered reasonable, I guess, from a, from what, what the audience would want or what viewers would want or what people would want online now, that's completely changed. And now it's like, if you're not streaming these games on the, online or if you're not getting this information out right away or whatever, it, there's not, we used to do coaches shows, you know, that would kind of air midweek and you'd talk about games that happened, you know, days, days ago. And that just, people just kind of, it wasn't immediate anymore. And people kind of stopped watching it because, well, this happened five days ago. Why do I care about this anymore? They've seen those highlights. They've seen those interviews. This was was online 30 seconds after this happened. Why why do we need to see this again? This is old news. And so trying to keep up with that. So again, same thing with with bandwidth and personnel and how this all works timeliness-wise. It's tricky sometimes to figure out the best course of action. It's always, like you said, though, who's the audience? What do they want? How can we try and meet those needs and wants and demands? while still managing the resources that we've got. Same thing. Same so, thing you guys deal with. So, Jason, let, let's switch gears for a second. So, um, it's going to be very sad that we can't talk American League East uh, <laughs> uh, at some point. But the good news is I've got your cell phone. I mean, every once in a while you get a nice little text. And uh, it, I'm sure you'll be excited about, um, you know, chasing the, the Red Sox and Yankees. Another gracious Red Sox fan. <laughs> That's what I need in my life. Yeah, I'm guessing your winter meetings week will go a lot differently than my winter meetings. Although what, you've done are, some business already. Yeah, so. what are the Blue Jays going to do? Are they hitting the reset? What are we doing here? Yeah, they're looking at 2020 and beyond. So the names they're being linked to are guys that would be one-year type deals that they could maybe flip at the trade yeah. deadline and the Mike Fires of the world. Um, their, their focus is loading up that farm system. And they've got some pretty good guys coming they up. They do. I it's, mean, out of the top, I think, 20. Didn't we have this conversation at some point? You guys might have, like, three-ish. It's pretty crazy. And right? I, all, all legacy guys, too. Yeah, sons of major leaguers. <clears throat> Vladimir Guerrero, Bo Bichette. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Craig Biggio's kid is another one. Um, I think the front office recognized, and I agree with them, that if you're going to be a player in the AL East in this day and age, you can't just mix and match from year to year. Year to year, you need depth. You mm-hmm. need organizational depth, you need ceiling, you need players with high ceilings, uh, and you need sustainability. You can't just wing it from year to year. There needs to be a grand plan. And I think sort of what Houston did when they did their massive rebuild, which is kind of the trend now, unfortunately, because it's not that easy. Yeah. Ask the Padres how that's gone <laughs> and some other teams. Um, but everyone sees the Cubs and sees the Astros. They pulled it off yeah. in short order, relatively short order. But I do think that for certain organizations, that's the way to go. And if you're in the AL East, 
certainly the way to go. Um, you've seen Baltimore try to do that middle ground over the years. It's gotten really close a couple yeah. times, but it's not sustainable. Seattle's trying to do it now too. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, it's it's made for a major gap between the high end teams. And it's frustrating as a fan of the sport. Lower. Yeah, it's frustrating. Oh, I mean, there were some not so good teams. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. You have these hundred win teams. Little inflated. Yeah, that means there's going to be some hundred lost teams, like huh. the Orioles, mm-hmm. for example, who finished 61 games back of the Red Sox and the Yankees this year. Yeah, that's tough, <laughs> tough, tough, tough times. That's tough. right, <laughs> buddy. I saw him sporting an Orioles shirt at one point in time. So he's I, a Bubba Schweiger, true fan. Like, he is not, not not wishy-washy. Not if you're going to be an O's fan in the Midwest, you got. We went be. to an Orioles game. Um, we had our SID conference in dc so we went to an orioles game and it was hawaiian shirt giveaway day and we oh. all came back and i gave mine to bubba and then a few i think a few days later was und day at target field and he was mulling whether or not to wear that at target oh. field you know in, in dave mm-hmm. st peter's house so to speak mm-hmm. and yeah he did end up wearing it he he wore yeah, it proudly, i thought it was so. a sharp look i yeah. mean yeah he wore I, it well you don't have to defend hawaiian shirts to me that's half my closet obviously. <laughs> oh man um Good times. Yeah, I think that was one of the first conversations I think that we had when I moved up here was just about about AL East baseball. And um, you were very gracious at the time to welcome me into this place, even though it meant just one more person that was going to be against you. We have the whole division covered too, because Alec Johnson's a race fan. He's a race fan. fan. Yeah, we, we've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, it's amazing he still has a job. The guy really has been. Pushing, <laughs> he did a good job. That that really over. pushed us over the edge. That sweep <laughs> down in Tampa yeah. this past year. Yeah, I mean that probably was the the breaking point for the Red Sox. They weren't going to let that happen yeah. again. Yeah. So thanks, Alec. It's all good. <laughs> um, I do want to ask. So just not to not to switch gears one more time, but you know, you are from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. What made you come to UND in the first place and kind of start this whole life journey that you've spent here in Grand Forks for the last? It was almost days? an accident. Well, maybe accident isn't the right word, but my plan at the time. I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a sports writer uh, in Canada. Um, so the University of Regina, where I'm from, is one of the top two one or two best journalism schools in Canada. So that's where I was going to go. It was just I hadn't given it any thought beyond that. And then my cousin was the softball coach at UND at the time, Denise Robinson. And um, she called me up when I was, I think, grade 11 maybe, and said there's this sports information department. I didn't know what that meant. She explained it a little bit, and it aligned perfectly with the nerd in me because that's what I was all about, stats and yeah. writing about sports and watching sports. She explained it to me and said, if it works out, there's a possibility of a tuition waiver, um, which was huge because at the time, the Canadian dollar was in the toilet. There's no, I don't think there's any way we could have pulled it off financially otherwise. So I came down for a visit, checked it out. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the school at all until I came here. And we went to a basketball game and looked around town and stuff and just fell in love with it and fell in love with, with the profession kind of, the more I learned about it, um, and almost switched gears right on the spot. Like, this is where I want to go, and yeah. this is what I want to do now. So, um, yeah, that was it. Thanks, cuz. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I feel like you, I mean, that's a great story. And I think that's a story that's not unique to a lot of people that end up here or end up anywhere, really. I mean, just how life It didn't even cross my change. mind to leave town. Yeah, it didn't even it? cross yeah. my mind. Um, man, that seems so long ago. <laughs> but, but yeah, so then the first month or two we were here, I think it was... Um, NFL Films was on campus doing the Fire and Ice documentary oh, sure. on UND and NDSU. And I thought, man, this is big time. This yeah. is this is normal around here? NFL Films is on <laughs> campus? It was just the nerd in me was just triggered by all of this stuff. And um, and Bill appreciates this stuff, too. You go into the archive room and open a filing cabinet drawer, and there's Ed Belfort's file, <sighs> and there's Phil Jackson's file. Play, uh, folks, I didn't even realize had gone here. Yeah. And you're just you're surrounded by this history, and it's so cool. It's, just, it's awesome. It is good stuff, that's for sure. The other thing we share is a little love for baseball card collection mm-hmm. and a few other things, which is always interesting. All my cards are sitting in Connecticut, which is painful, but uh, it is what it is. You have to, you're going to have to move all your cards. We might need a U-Haul. Just for a that. A separate huh? U-Haul just for those. <laughs> do, awesome. you have a, do you have a prize? Is there a prize baseball card that you've collected or kept over the years? I don't really. I, there's, there's one. Um, my dad wasn't a big baseball fan. He liked it, but there was one player he always talked about when I was a kid, Brooks Robinson, yeah. the Hall of Fame third baseman for the Orioles. Yeah. And he just he was just in awe of Brooks Robinson. All I ever heard about when he talked baseball was Brooks Robinson. And so when I was a kid in a baseball card store, I was probably 10 or 11, I saw a Brooks Robinson card for sale that wasn't too expensive, and I shelled out some of my allowance. I think it was like $40 at the time mm. uh, for that card just because I knew what it that connection that my dad had with that player. And he was there when I bought it. He thought that was pretty neat too. Yeah. So 
I, I would think that one. And then I've got a Mark Messier rookie card. I'm an Oilers fan, so that I don't have the Gretzky. I don't have the, the <laughs> hockey holy grail, but those those are probably the two. Yeah, for different reasons, very different reasons. Very cool. Yeah. Same question, Bill. Yeah, it's pretty simple. We were just talking about it, you know, just whatever. You know, I'm a little bit older, so I'm a, I'm a band ahead, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> every day is a new day. Um, but, no, I've got the uh, Magic Bird uh, mm-hmm. rookie card with Dr. J because it was the mm. perforated The three-panel. Yeah, oh. and then they kind of came out with them, and, uh, yeah, that, I just saw it went for – it went for a good chunk of change, and it, it, and this one's, I would say, pretty darn close to to mint. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Two so. other big time collectors, Steve Brecky has just oh. an awesome baseball card collection. That were like Satchel Page and that doesn't surprise 50s me. and 60s. Yeah. And Gene yeah. Roebuck was a big oh, really? card collector too. <laughs> no that's, that surprises yeah. me a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's cool. It's yeah, it's a. Uh, I've got every set back in tops uh, to '73. Oh, wow. So I'm hoping to go back to 66 when I was born at some point, but it gets a little tricky and expensive. Well, it it gets just right. Expensive one side of the ledger just to really get them too. You know what I mean? It's, Mm -hmm. it's harder. I mean, obviously as you go, as you go, uh, uh, deeper, uh, back, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. I mean, I I think when you're, you kind of gives you a chance to, uh, as you're growing up with that kind of collection, you you learn the game, you learn to say, I learned probably 90% of my baseball history. At the, those ages, from totally, baseball cards, from totally. the bags of baseball cards, yep. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it, it's, it's kind of a neat deal. So, yeah, so it's, you know, I've been around the country, and, uh, you know, it's a bit, and we, we landed in Spokane, obviously, for, for over a decade, but it was just hard to think about moving it, that collection, 3,000 miles. How do you do it, right? I mean, it's just not easy. Plus a lot of autographs and all this sure. other stuff. Yeah. So who knows? But so you're gonna have to move them down there, huh? I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're in our room. It, when we moved into this house in Grand Forks, it was going to be Amanda's sewing room, and that lasted about a month until my work. parents brought all my cards. They didn't want them in their house anymore, so it became the card room. Yeah. Are these like bins? Bins of cards? How how many? How many are we talking? Oh about? man, I've got I've got two full size like um, like tubs, like those totes. Um, are, we, are we talking industrial shelving units? There's two, sh- two of those. Because so, yeah. you're putting them in okay. Then you've got the cupboard sleeves. full of sure. binders. Those sure, are of course. And then yeah. I've got... Oh, I'm familiar. Oh, I'm, yeah, oh, yeah. Completed yeah, yeah, yeah. sets. And then I've got a, yeah. cu- a cabinet that's all unopened wax boxes mm. that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, I can't say, I don't have the discipline to let them sit. i got to grip it and rip it and yeah. tear them open. I, I have well, that's, to. That's the best that's part the fun, about yeah. That's the fun. Who are yeah. you going to get in the pack? That's right. the best part. So it's, it's, it's a full room. It's literally a full room of stuff. Okay. It's, they're packed. They're it's just... Oh, man. Interesting. Any final words, Jason? <clears throat> we really did. I mean, your your tenure here. You know, again, when you when you span over two decades anywhere, you, you know, you you're here for a lot of reasons, but uh, but your legacy will always live on. That's for sure. I appreciate that. It's 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 strange applying for jobs and you're waiting for something to light that fire. And I got to be honest, nothing yet. Nothing excites me. I'm looking at all these jobs and just and I have to get through that stage, but this was the job I wanted. This was literally the job I wanted and worked toward and was lucky enough to have for over a decade. And um, I never had to give it any thought. What else could I do? Should I do? Would I do until now? So uh, that's uh, it's a mindset I need to, <laughs> to get past here. But um, man, what a special, special place. Some days it feels like it flew by. Hmm. Some days it feels like two lifetimes. Um, but I, I've had the time of my life. I I'll just leave it with that. Yeah. Well, I think Bill said it best, but job well done. And we thank you. We, this place has been better because you've been here. So best of luck to you and Amanda and the family as you go down to Kansas City and enjoy a milder winter and <laughs> hopefully a great life down there. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Perfect. Well, that's a good place to end. So for Jason Hajdu, for Bill Chaves, for David Perdue, for David Folsky, I'm Alexander. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk again next week. Yeah.